Hello everyone, it is Sean Fit 50 coming to you with my first episode of the Health and Sexy Show. Now you may be wondering what is the Health and, Se- and Sexy Show? Well, I'm going to tell you all about it. We are a show focused on, as the first word mentions, health. You know, about feeling better, looking better, living longer and stronger, and um, finding reasons to do that. And that's where the second part of the name comes from, sexy. You know, the reason I found to really become engaged and excited about my health was looking good. I started exercising, lifting weights, trying to eat healthy at a very young age. I was a young athlete beginning at five years old when I played my first year of um, peewee football. And playing football, playing basketball, lifting weights so I can get stronger and faster led to me realizing that I was beginning to develop quite the body to look at. And as a young man, you know, we were always interested in young girls and, you know, no better way to get them than having a nice body. And, and, and I started to really feel mine as I looked into the mirror and noticed the muscles and the six pack. So that was my first impetus to really get dedicated to really start to do those things I needed to look, feel, and perform better. And that's what it's all about, finding a reason. Everyone's reason is going to be different. Well, not everyone. It's, it's only a, uh, it's a finite amount of reasons. So um, some of us may have the same reason for being committed to our health, but um, we need to find our own individual um, motivator that causes us to really think and to act in terms of our health, in terms of our wellness, in terms of our appearance, in terms of the way we present ourselves to others. I like to talk about the dumb blonde. A lot of people think the dumb blonde is exactly that, you know, a dumb blonde. The dumb blonde is a genius to me because we need to be able to use every tool in our kit bag to get where we need to go in life. And if that tool in your kit bag happens to be your good looks, then hey, I suggest taking full advantage of that. And if you lack that tool in your kit, don't be mad at the person that has it because they have worked hard in a lot of circumstances. Some of us obviously are genetically blessed with good looks, and I would like to think part of that is um, relevant to me as well as my mother is definitely a very beautiful woman. Uh, my father is a looker as well. He, I wasn't that involved with him, but hey, he was a handsome guy. But still, um, we need to make sure our kit bag, our, our toolkit has as many tools as possible to allow us to get and to have the position in life that we desire and, and not to use the fact that someone else has more tools than us um, as an excuse or as a... a a reason to look at that person differently. Um, what are our goals on the health and sexy show? Well, obviously our goals are to find those reasons that motivate us to take our health, our wellness by the horns and, and become very active and not just for a short period of time, but for our lifetimes. Health is a lifetime endeavor. It's not a temporary thing. It's something, you know, you have to be committed to because 
the goals that you seek to achieve won't come quick, unfortunately. For some people, they may, but for most of us, if we're trying to lose weight, um, become more toned to improve our um, laboratory parameters or blood pressure, things like that, if we do have chronic diseases such as high blood pressure or diabetes or high cholesterol, it's going to take time. So it's, uh, it's a life time commitment. It's something that we will be working on until the day we die. We may never reach our goals, but that is no reason not to commit. So we need to find the reason and, and find what motivates us to do that. What else will we talk about? You know, it's a lot of interesting things going on and a lot of interesting people. I like to look at people and being in the medical field, um, Ever since my first day of class, my first day of training, I began looking at people differently. I do it a little bit less now because I'm no longer in, in learning and um, application mode. I've been doing it for a while, but um, people become not just people as they walk around, but you see diagnoses, you see problems, you see um, issues, and, and you know how to address those. And... Um, that's how your mindset is a lot of times when you work in the healthcare profession. And we're going to take a look at some people, but just the positive aspects, we're going to find people who are looking good, who are taking great care of themselves. Um, and, and, and based on their sexiness, we, we can pretty much infer that they must be healthy as well. But that is not always the case, as you do know. What is my origin story? you know, the origin of my health consciousness. How did I end up here to where I'm now talking on a podcast about being healthy, about making choices and commitments that will lead to um, a longer life, a more productive life. Um, it will lead to you passing on things to your children that you, they don't have to wait for you to die to get. Well, my origin story, I kind of alluded to it already, started when I was five years old. Hey, we're running around playing football. I get signed up for peewee football, and I take off from there. I wasn't the biggest guy, but I was sure fast, and I was sure willing to do what it took to get stronger. And um, I lifted weights. I try to eat healthy foods. You know, we did eat fast food from time to time, but I would always try to eat you know, what my mom cooked and, and healthy things and um, to get that advantage, you know, I needed to be stronger. I needed to be faster because I wasn't the biggest guy. From football, you know, I, I, I played that for several years. And next thing you know, I'm a grown man. So I spent my next 20 years as a soldier, spent 20 years in the military. The first two years I spent in the Marine Corps where I was a combat engineer, fancy way of saying that I blew up things and I occasionally bit, built things. But the Marine Corps was my first exposure to quote-unquote health and wellness because the Marine Corps is a very strict branch of service, as you all know. I'm not sure if you've seen Full Metal Jacket or not, but um, Private Powell, that's probably one-third of the toughness that I went through when I was at Paris Island boot camp in South Carolina. It was quite the um, experience. I cried the first night I was there. I thought I, it was the worst decision I ever made. I was 17, so I didn't know what good and bad decisions were yet. And I now know that 
it was one of the best decisions I made, you know, when I joined the Marine Corps. So I'm very proud of that. And I understand the actual quality of that decision that I made as a very young man, as a still a teenager, actually. But in the Marine Corps, it was all about appearance. Marines had to be the strongest. They had to be the best, but you also had to look the best and look the strongest. So, you know, we had guys separated who were overweight and underweight. I was in neither of those categories. I was definitely not underweight and was far from overweight, but we did have guys like that in the Marine Corps, believe it or not. And for the skinny guys, they got double rations, and for the big guys, they got half rations. That was the way that the Marine Corps put weight on you or took weight off of you, depending on the category that you fell in. And believe me, when I say body transformations, I have still yet to see the level of body transformation in the person that I saw when I was in the Marine Corps, Paris Island Marine Corps Recruit Depot in August of 1990. I saw guys as thin as rails become chiseled, muscle-bound studs, and I seen guys that were, I won't say sloppy, but guys that were definitely a bit overweight, that turned out the same, and I was very proud of each and every one of those young men that I trained with who made that type of transformation. Many of them le left leaving, or uh, left wearing different size uniforms, and when they came in, I left wearing the same size, but I did put on some weight, and until recently, the heaviest I ever been and the most muscular I ever been was when I was about 17, 18 years old in the Marine Corps, when I weighed 181 pounds. So... That's where I started from the Marine Corps. I realized, hey, I can't make much of a living blowing up stuff and occasionally building stuff. So I switched over to the Army and spent my next 18 or so years as a um, laboratory technician initially, where I really got exposed to the science of health and wellness. As lab techs, we generally studied every system of the body and had to understand every system of the body, tests that checked for disease and also the treatments for these diseases. So it was quite the deep dive into health um, at the time and, and it opened my eyes to a lot of things. And probably the most concerning thing was how most diseases affect blacks and Latinos preferentially. And I thought it was a type of prejudice, but it's just a, a fact. And we I'm a black man, and we as black people and as Latino people, as, as everybody, but especially those who are more prone, need to be especially attentive to their health and doing the things that are requisite to living a long life free of unnecessary hospitalization, free of unnecessary anguish on yourself and your family, and um, as long as possible, you know, who wants to leave here 10 years sooner than they have to, uh, which means die, who wants to die 10 years sooner than they have to, or 20 years sooner than they have to, or even, or even two years sooner than they have to. We want to maximize our life, not just in time, but also in quality, you know, not just quantity. We want quality and, and staying on top of your health is going to be the best way to do that. Well, after lab tech school, that wet my palate, and I wanted more. So what did I do next? I studied to be a physician assistant. I was one of the fortunate um, soldiers who were who was selected to attend the 
uh, physician assistant schooling that was provided by the United States military through the University of Nebraska at the time that I attended. And that's where I was trained to be a primary care and emergency medicine physician assistant. Quite extensive training, um, opened my world to a whole different horizon, whole different scope of disease, of health, of wellness, of taking care of yourself. And that's where I was able to make the biggest impact on helping others, especially people who were suffering from chronic diseases, such as high blood pressure, such as high cholesterol, diabetes, even the military, y'all, there are people with diabetes, overweight, a lot of overweight people in the military, and I was a specialist in weight loss, and I helped many, many people lose weight safely, effectively, and they were able to prolong their military careers because of that. I served my 20 years, and one month in the military I retired, but not before specializing in cardiac surgery. So I spent my last six years in the Army serving as a cardiothoracic surgery physician assistant, which meant I took care of patients needing heart and lung surgery. I assisted with heart and lung surgery, and after the surgery, I took care of those patients again with heart and lung surgery as they recovered from their operations. This was a huge eye-opener for me. Um as far as the depth and breadth of people with heart disease, with lung disease, and how in so many cases that their disease, their ailments were potentially preventable. Everyone who lives long doesn't get heart disease significant enough to require surgery. Same thing with lung disease, but um, we need to keep our risk factors as low as possible for that, but... As a cardiac surgery physician assistant, I um, definitely um, learned a lot, definitely changed my thought about many, many things as far as health and wellness and individuals' ability to control and to make those decisions to do the things that are needed, that are required to reverse their disease from there, while I worked as a cardiac surgery physician assistant, I, I started to have some changes of heart. I started, I had an epiphany, and my epiphany um, came when actually we were called in for an emergency surgery. The worst thing or the worst part of your day can be oftentimes is being called back in for emergency surgery because you're always wondering, you know, how serious is this person? You know, people with massive heart attacks or or heart disease a lot of times come in and, and, and are at death's door. And, and it's a sad situation when that happens because even with a perfect procedure, a perfect operation, the patient may have suffered or the person may have suffered so much damage that they are unable to survive. So it can be very heartbreaking with emergency surgery. Um, we've gotten very good and, and the vast majority of people do survive from it, but you always have to brace yourself for um, an inevitability that, you know, that person may be very sick and, and, and may not make it through your surgery, no matter, how good it is, no matter how good it is. But this time when I got called in, and I remember it vividly, 
you know, I just started thinking, you know, it was like, what are we doing here? What are we doing? You know, it's, it's, it, it's, you know, what difference are we making? You know, this person is, is coming in, having heart surgery, and they're really very unlikely to change the way they live their lives after they make it through this. I've been reading articles about this and compliance with medical recommendations after heart surgery, you know, at one year after, two years after, and the, the numbers were abysmal. You know, most people after heart surgery where, you know, you hear where you get your chest cracked open, even after that, their compliance rate with their medical recommendations, you know, two years later is it's less than 50%. And you would think that would be an eye-opener. And and that kind of rubbed me in a way that made me, like, think, like, wow, you know, I need to find a way to make a bigger impact. And I was, as I was preparing and, and getting ready for the surgery, I started thinking, you know, maybe I need to go back to more preventative style of medicine, you know, back to my roots, primary care, where I started out as, as a physician assistant, you know, doing the preventive medicine, doing the health and wellness checks, doing the education to prevent people, as many as I can at least, from needing heart surgery. So it was at that time that I continued to practice, you know, cardiothoracic surgery, but in the back of my mind, I really knew that I wanted to get back to my roots in health, wellness, primary care um, to help people um, prevent the, the surgeon's knife. You know, I didn't want to be in the caboose anymore at the end of the road where people found themselves when nothing else could be done. I wanted to be at the beginning of the road. I wanted to be in the engine to get them there at the, at the beginning and um, help them best live a lifestyle, adhere to practices and habits that will prevent them possibly from needing something um, drastic as open heart surgery or even a cardiac stent, you know, that's what I wanted to do. That's the epiphany I had. A new mental model needs to be developed, there's no doubt about it. Um, people are treating their cars better than they treat their body, their bodies. No one complains about spending, you know, $1,000 for a new set of tires, rotation, installation, and oil change, but people are very, very hesitant to spend $150 on, you know, their wellness to, to get a trainer to help them get into shape and to help them reach those goals that they need to live uh, a healthy and long life. You know, they're more likely to do interventions to increase the life of their automobile than to increase their own lives. And we need to change that, that whole mindset. We need to treat our life, our lives, our health like an investment, just like a bank account, just like retirement. When you put money in your retirement account, you don't go in there the next day and that money has doubled or tripled. Um, so why do we expect that when we do something for our health that there's going to be a result in, in a matter of days or weeks, you know, it's going to take, it takes time. This is investment that reaps its benefits later. And, um, just like a retirement account, you know, your health account has to be treated the same way and your deposits, instead of being money are our deposits in healthy eating, their deposits in adherence to medical recommendations from your doctors and providers when it comes to taking medicines, being more active, eating healthier, things like that, those are the investments that um, we need to be making. And we need to determine the things about 
our health that are negative that we're willing to change. You know, a lot of people aren't willing to change, um, especially if it's several things that need to be changed. But we need to figure out what we are willing to change and then work on that and um, slowly begin to work on other things that we may need to change. But um, that's the mistake that's being made a lot. People are trying to get people to change their whole lives around, which is impossible. We need to figure out what about our lives we're willing to change, work on that. And as we get some of those wins, some of those victories, then we can start working on other parts. But we can't fix it all at once. We need to work on what we're willing to work on and realize it's a lifelong investment, a lifelong endeavor that we can never stop working on when it comes to our health and well-being. Um, and we need to do this in a collaborative environment, using and enlisting the help of our families, our friends, um, and professionals, you know, such as health coaches who can be very informative and, and keep you on task as an accountability partner to ensure you're doing those things to um, sustain and maintain your health, you know. Looking at personal trainers and, and that can help you feel confident in working out, feel confident in the gym, have a program that is ready for you uh, to get in a very organized and focused training session that's going to get that increased activity that you need into, in order to improve your health and wellness. Um, and last, you know, the last thing I'd like to mention before uh, ending the first episode is we need to really realize that there are no shortcuts. No shortcuts, y'all. You know, I know on your way to school, um, you didn't have to go the whole 10 blocks. You can cut across the field and 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 through an abandoned building and, and get there in half the time. But it doesn't work like that with our health. You know, they have crash diets. They have fat this, but they're exactly what they're called. They're going to crash when you go crash and burn and go probably back to where you were and even further back. And fat mean it's going to come and go. It won't last long. We need to find things that we can adhere to for the long haul. This is the long game. We're not playing the short game, y'all. Again, just like I talked about investments. You don't invest $10 a day, go to the bank tomorrow, and there's $20 in there. But if you invest $10 a day and you go back at the end of the year, there may be you know, $15 in there. You know, But with time, your investment will grow your monetary investment as well as your health investment. Well, this is Sean Fit 50. This is our first episode of Health and Wellness Show, the health and sexy show. And I hope you enjoyed it with our focus on health and wellness. Um, we're going to have a whole lot more coming at you. And i like to sign off now with a little bit of peace and love. Stay healthy, stay sexy. Sean Fit 50 out.